honouring the gods. He's gone, Magnus said, striding into Megan's arm. Jarl Eric dropped the meat he'd been eating into its bowl and wiped a streak of fat from his chin. The monk? He mumbled through half-chewed food. Yes, Magnus answered. The hut was disturbed and there was evidence of a struggle. Eric, this is very bad. Someone has come into your property and seized a man who sought refuge in your hall. The people of Kilsgard are already terrified. There is a threatening presence in the mountains. But now it has crept here, into our town. Eric pushed his pench back from the table with a loud scraping noise and moved towards Magnus. But before he could say anything, a shrill, croaking voice cut in from the dark shadows at the back of the hall. A threat has beset us. The voice made Alva shudder. Two men taken in the night. This is the work of Loki for sure. He has cast a curse on Kilsgard and is taking its visitors. Soon he will take us too. We are cursed. The outline of a figure crept into view as the speaker moved closer to the hearth. But Alva knew this voice regardless. It was Sigrun, seer of Kilsgard, slaughterer and sacrifice giver. As she moved into the light, her distorted figure and twisted face looked like Alva's night terrors. She stooped as she walked and her full-length cloak rustled with the bunches of herbs, animal bones and amulets she had woven into its weft. Sigrun had just one eye. In place of the second was a scarred hole where it had been removed, in service of Odin, the one-eyed god. The eye that remained was cloudy and flecked with silver shapes. White bristles emerged from her chin, while grey strands of hair crept from under Sigrun's black headscarf. Her face was lined with the passage of time and painted with chalk and charcoal, making her all the more guilish. Hear me, she announced to the hall. Hear me and heed me. Kilsgard is beset by strange events. Events that even our wise crow of the West, Magnus Gutherson, cannot explain with his wisdom from overseas. It is clear that we need to call upon the help of our gods to rid us of this terror. The Greek god of mischief and mayhem, Loki, is behind these strange occurrences and we must make sacrifice to him so he will show us kindness. When he is satisfied with our gifts, Kilsgard will once again be safe. She turned her single eye on Jarl Eric. You must arrange for every family to bring a sacrifice to the hall at sundown. It must be a worthy gift, something each family values and needs. Only then will Loki stop his games. Alva caught her breath. Would they have to bring an animal? Which one? Eric began to speak, but Sigrun lifted up one brittle, bent, bony finger to her lips. Hush! This needs action, not words. I charge you with this. On your house and on your head be this sacrifice, Jarl Eric. You need to protect your people. You need a sacrifice. With more haste than seemed possible for a woman of her age, she swept from the room. Magnus turned to the hearth and spat, making the flames flicker in his disgust. That woman is cruel, Eric, he said. It is unnecessary for the people to sacrifice good beasts for this. We still have to conduct our investigations and stirring the town into a frenzy of fear will not serve anyone. I urge you to ignore her and let me continue my work. No, Magnus, Eric replied sternly. Sigrun is terrifying, but we all know she communes with the gods. To anger her is to anger them. We must perform the ancient rituals regardless of what your travels have taught you. It is part of Kilsgard. It is the Viking way. The gods must be appeased. 
Alva could feel the nails on her fingers digging into the palms of her hands as she clenched her fists with silent rage. You follow what this mad old crone instructs, instructs, but I will not, Magnus responded. Alva and I have something real and useful to do. We will solve this riddle and we will capture this night thief and we will use our minds and our eyes to do so. Her uncle's words, Alva and I, brought a fresh flood of warm excitement to her, but she quickly scurried away from Jarl Eric, following Magnus as he stormed out of the hall. Uncle, I don't like Seer Seerun's sacrifices. Will we have to give something too? Fenrir had followed Alva to the hall and was waiting by the door, being eyed nervously by passers-by. As they walked towards home, he fell into step behind them, and for a moment Alva feared that she might have to give her beloved wolf up for sacrifice. She went cold at the thought. Yes, I imagine we will, though we have little we can spare. This is why your father left us to go a Viking, Alva, as he worried that we do not have enough wealth or possessions. To lose even one beast will affect us through the winter. You know that I cling to Odin and the gods, but surely you can see these sensual rit- these senseless rituals are not what we need right now. There are many others in the village who are struggling too, and can poorly afford to give valuable animals for slaughter during these cold months. Come, we have to examine the evidence. If our minds work fast, we may be able to bring about a solution before sundown. Alva felt a great sense of urgency. She didn't want to see any of her animals die at the cruel hands of this wicked crone. They had to set their minds to work fast. Back at home, with Fenrir slouched comfortably under the table and Rath perched on the back of Magnus's chair, Alva and Magnus spread the clues they gathered across the oak table. Ivan played with a small wooden wolf their father had carved for him before he left as Brianna grumpily presented bowls of stew. She was still resolutely silent, quietly raging at Magnus for taking Alva from the home without her permission. Alva wondered how long her feisty mother would be able to keep up this pretense. Surely she was curious at the array of strange objects spread over the table. Alva sat with her uncle, spooning hot sloppy nourishment into her mouth. She was famished. In front of them lay the bone fragment, Magnus's sketches of the monk's carvings and Edmund's parchments. A lot to decipher. I can't make any sense of it, Alva said, banging her spoon on the side of her wooden bowl. I can see runes I know, but I can't see a message. And the monk's mad scrawlings on that calfskin? I have no idea where to start there. Okay, Magnus said calmly. I can assist with that. My Latin is not excellent, but I have learnt enough to get the sense of what is recorded here. He ran his finger around the edge of the green image of land, settling on the small ink letters surrounding it. The monk has kept some sort of account of journeys here. I am sure of it. Look. He pointed at a small red outline that looked like a hall, depicted near the top of the parchment. The notation says Lindisfarne, and the smaller writing underneath reads home. The monk Edmund was from, was from this monastery. Alva interjected. So he begins in Lindisfarne and then this line shows that he travelled south. Magnus ran his finger down the parchment. All along the way he has added notes. Look, near to this stretch of water he writes how they waited two days for a ship to take them to Gaul. And that the crossing was treacherous. And over here 
He pointed to another red building on the other side of the stretch of blue water. The monk has written here, Abbot Dennis, give us food and room. We prayed with the brothers. This is an important document. But does it say anything about father? About where they may have met him? Or where they got the box? Alva asked earnestly. Magnus turned over a few leaves of parchment until he came to a third map. This showed more brown and less blue. So Alva guessed it must be a map of the inland. Magnus bent his face close to the script, slowly reading the monk's scribbles in the margin. There's no reference to Bjorn, but this is interesting. Here, by a town in Francia, the monk has written the word Vichingi. He records that he met with Vikings, so perhaps this means he met with Bjorn. Alva looked at the little Latin word Vicini. She didn't like it. How could one little word describe the strong men of her village, men like her father, who went out on dangerous seas, searching for sustenance for their people over the hard winter months? Their brave adventures were the fiercest in the world. Her father had told her that. They were so much more than that little scribble, but that was all the monk had written. Magnus was now looking at another page. There were more maps, but they were less ornate, just lines and names linked together. Alva saw a red trail of ink moving up the page. Does this mean they came north, uncle, she asked, tracing the line with her finger. I think so, Alva, he replied. I think this is where our bold monk picked up the trail from our riddling box. And here is what he was after. As he turned to yet another page, Alva saw a final map and something strange, an image of a man. It looked so real. The face was pink and fleshy. The clothes were bright, embroidered, rich. It was as if the figure could step out of the page. Alva stepped away from the parchment. In the sunlight, she could see the figure's head was surrounded by a ring of pure gold. Who is that? she asked nervously. And why is he ringed in gold? Is he a god? I have spent time with Christians on my travels. They only worship one god, but they also honour a mother a son, a spirit, and a whole collection of the dead. They call them saints. I think this is a saint. And look, Alva, above the man's head is one word, treasure. Ivan suddenly let out a scream. He was sat on the floor of the hut with the wooden wolf lying in front of him. The leg had snapped off. Brianna rushed to the mass of crying red hair, sweeping him off the ground and looked down sadly at the broken toy. Another piece of your father gone, she mumbled quietly, then swept Ivan off to their bed. Alva felt a tug at her heart as she thought of her father sat by the fire, whittling the wood to make the little broken toy, and it pulled her out of her trance. She had been so excited that Magnus was asking her opinion, working through the evidence with her help, that for a short moment she had forgotten the pain of her father's absence, left imprinted on their home every day. Plus, she had been transfixed by the picture of what looked like a living god on the pages of animal skin. At Ivan's cry, Magnus too was roused to action. He grabbed the parchment, rolled it up and pushed it to one side. Alva, he said, we can only get so far with the monk's scribbles. We have our own tongue here to decipher. We can decode these runes. In fact, if it was what your father who scratched them, I think that we alone can understand them. We've seen our names on the lid, but what other runes were there on the casket? What should, what, we could look, we should look 
at the monk's carvings. He pulled the tablet with a small etching to over towards them. This is what I could see from the monk's scratchings on the wall. I think they may be incomplete and incorrect. Memorised by a monk whose first language is English and who writes in Latin, not in runes. But we must try. Now, child, you have a good understanding of the runes. Both your father and I have tried to impress their importance on you over the years, since we were both fortunate to have been taught the gift of reading them. Now is your chance to show me whether all we've taught you entered your mind toward. Your turn, Alva. Tell me how we read the symbols. Alva thought back to the many times she had sat at this table with her father as he carved shapes into pieces of wood. With each carving he would recite poems until Alva knew the stories and legends connected to each symbol. Uncle, she said, the runes are letters, but they are also words, and beyond that they are stories. Good, Magnus answered. When we use these symbols, they can work in different ways. And that is how the skilled user of runes can encrypt their messages. Sometimes a rune will be a simple letter, sometimes a word, and sometimes the reader will have to cast their minds further to a web of hidden meanings. Now, what has the monk written? They both focused on the lines, reading from right to left. I cannot read this, uncle, Alva said after a moment. I'm sure it is encrypted, as there are some parts that make no sense. Indeed, Alva, Magnus said thoughtfully. What words can you make out? After staring more intently for a moment, Alva's face lit up. Oh, look, she said, there is the name Killsgard. So the opening directs the reader to our village. Good, Magnus answered. There are also smaller words that stand out clearly. Look, four of the two. They are directions. I can see a name, Alva squealed excitedly. Jarl Eric. Yes, said Magnus, excitement creeping into his voice too. It says, from Jarl Eric's hall, and here is the shortened version of Giant's Finger, Thor's Finger. These are certainly directions. Which runes are encoded, do you think, Alva? She scanned the runes, eliminating those that joined to make full words, names or locations, and settled on a few that stood alone. The ones that are by themselves, perhaps, they are meant to read as words rather than letters. What do you think? I think you are right, he replied, smiling at her. So now we've eliminated the runes, we know that leaves us with the encrypted ones. Here it reads, Fehu of the Ansu. You must know what that means, girl. Alva thought for a moment. Treasures of the gods. Good, he replied. Now you know what this rune here means. He gestured at the Rado R rune. That means journey. So it's saying the reader should journey to Kilsgard, but I really don't understand the next section. Magnus brought out the circle of glass out from his pouch and focused it on one of the runes. This is the rune Wunjo, which looks like a P, which means, Alva interrupted, it means joy. Yes, the joys of the Western foes, Alva, said Magnus. I know what it is referring to. He took a step back from the table and turned away from her. When he spoke again, his voice was low and slow. Seeing her uncle change in mood, Alva gripped the edge of the table and held her breath, waiting for him to continue. After a long pause, he spoke. Alva, 
you have heard the many tales of my and your father's journeys to the distant land of the English and to the island of Lindisfarne just last year. It is a strange place, nestled on the edge of the kingdom of the northern English, and is entirely inhabited by weak yet perilously rich monks. Your father had heard of these undefended monk towns on his travels and brought news back to Jarl Eric. He spread the information to other yards of the north, and it was agreed to send a small set of ships to the island to investigate whether it was true the treasures were defended by peace-loving unarmed men. Your father and I agreed to accompany the ships, since we knew some Latin and could represent the Jarl's interests. Alpha interjected, I remember that you and father were at odds when you returned. You argued in the weeks after you got back. And then father went away again so suddenly. I never knew what had happened there. Magnus turned back towards Alva. He had a sad and distant look in his eyes. He sat down next to her and took her hand. Alva, he said, when the men go a Viking, it can be a bloody and brutal business. Often we will travel for days on wild oceans and when we reach the shore, the locals want to murder us and turn us away. When we set our sails for Lindisfarne, we all had the wolf of the battle in our bellies and the thirst for gold made our mouths dry. As our boats climbed the shallow shores, we could see the monks fleeing and they rang bells escaping further inland. There had been men from our lands on this island before and they were terrified when they saw our dragon proud ships. Many of our men leapt onto the sand hungry for slaughter, fame and fortune. But your father and I knew where the Christians kept their wealth, in the main temple. They called this their church. We went there directly, spilling no blood. Once we were in the sanctuary, however, we found three of the monks pulling a box from beneath the stone slab. They were startled and two of them ran. The third lay down in front of the box, screaming in Latin, Take me, not our treasure. Your father pushed the man aside and he struck his head on the stone altar. He moved no more. I reproached your father for his actions, but the two of us knew that we had found the most precious treasure the monks possessed. So he laid claim to it and took it to the ship. When we finally opened the box, we found some gold-encrusted books and bones. We had secured a good haul of gold from the journey, so we're not concerned that Jarl Eric would expect more from our expedition. Bjorn insisted we keep the box a secret from the other men, since he knew that they would be superstitious and say we should cast the bones into the sea. But we knew their true worth. Your father and I remembered what we had learnt on our travels about the bones of saints. They are valued more highly than any treasure, since Christians think that they can work wonders and can take you directly to their God. To some, they are worth more than any pile of gold your mind can picture. That sounds crazy, Alva interrupted, shaking her head in disbelief. How can bones be worth more than gold? They are called relics, Magnus replied, and they are thought to connect those on earth with those in the afterlife. I argued with your father about them, as I did not want to touch the remains of one of these Christian saints, and felt we should show them to Jarl Eric. Bjorn wanted to keep them, sell them, and bring wealth to his family, since we were struggling then, as we are now. He thought we could ransom the treasures back to the monks, perhaps, or we could sell the bones to other Christians on our travels for huge sums. He felt the other men and the Jarl would not understand their value, and that he and I had found them alone, so they were rightfully ours. Bjorn Kim became possessive and secretive about the bones. 
When we got back to Killsguard, he told me he had hidden them. He spoke very mysteriously about them when I asked him, saying the treasure would do more than bring us earthly riches. They would bring us riches of the heart and soul. I am a man who has travelled widely. I know the reputation of our men have across Christian lands. We are called heathens, barbarians and murderers. Just look at the blood sacrifice Sigrun has in store for our town tonight. Blood and violence runs deep through our legends. When I journey, I try to temper the men's bloodlust, but our lives and those of our people here in Kilsgaard depend on our efforts. And if we want our place alongside the gods in Valhalla, we have to secure fame and glory. Nevertheless, I know we took something the monks valued very greatly, and I fear that now is our time to answer for it. I've been reluctant to tell anyone of this story, since it cast your father in a dark light. Even your mother was never told of this. Leaning closer to her uncle, Alva replied, My father brought about the death of one of those peace-loving monks, and he hid treasure from the Jarl. Your father is a good man, but a complicated one. His head is always full of stories, fantasies and quests. He loves you, Brianna and Ivan, deeply, but sometimes his thoughts and actions are hard to read. This is why we argued, Magnus answered sadly. I was angry with your father for the events at Lindisfarne, but your mother was also angry. She felt you were becoming more reckless while we were away a Viking, because Bjorn always gave you such freedom and treated you like his equal. She didn't want your father to go away again. Brianna felt he should stay here and encourage you to change your ways. I felt he should be honest with the Jarl before his departure. And so we find ourselves in this situation now. We have been waiting nine months for Bjorn's intervention and here it is. What do you mean? asked Alva, feeling confused. Your father carved the casket to show us his family where he'd hidden the treasure. I still can't fully understand why, but it is clear that these riddles direct us to the joys of the western foes, the bones of the saint. That is why the monk and English warrior came here, and that is why they are now missing. We have to solve these riddles and find the treasures your father has hidden for us. Then we can decide what to do with it.